0: Hello and welcome to the Going Upcast, your weekly feel-good podcast with talks about new Google consoles, fun YouTube channels to watch, movie and TV show reviews, my experience with Sekiro so far, and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. That's right, we got a doozy of an episode this week for the Going Upcast. Quite a bit occurred, both in the world of media... And in my own personal world, and I'll talk about all sorts of different stories and new things and old things and all sorts of stuff. It's a good episode. I'm a big fan of this episode. And if you like the Goin' Cast, there's lots of ways you can support the Goin' Cast. Check out patreon.com forward slash G-O-I-N-G going upcast where you can become a patreon supporter or you can check out goingupcast.com forward slash store where there's lots of things there that you can buy and stuff What with your monies and things and i very much appreciate your listening and, and hey if you don't want to don't want to you know support the thing financially you can share the podcast with your friends and stuff and that is awesome too super super awesome but enough of me talking and asking for money let's move on to the next thing in the podcast Google decided to throw its hat into the gaming console arena with something called Stadia. Stadia? I didn't watch the, the actual the thing. Um, but essentially, as far as I understand, what this thing is, is that it's basically a controller that you buy. And then, much like you stream movies with Netflix, you would then stream games through Google Chrome, I believe is what it's saying. Um, apparently they said you wouldn't need um, a console or a PC and no games downloaded or running on a disk that is at the user's end. Um, you still need a PC because you need access to the fucking internet, so you would need a personal computer. I don't, I don't give, I don't, I don't know what kind of magic ass controller they're going to sell you that comes with a screen, but you need a fucking computer and access to the internet to get this shit to work. Also fucking netflix can't stream an entire movie and have it stay the same quality throughout if netflix can't do it with movies there's no way in shit google's gonna be able to pull this shit off with what did they say um 1080p 60 frames a second gameplay for users with 25 megabits per second connections okay so uh, They also went on to say, when Stadia launches later this year, we expect to be able to live 4K, 60 FPS at approximately the same bandwidth requirements. I don't know if Google has some kind of secret tech that we're not aware of, but you're either going to need a bomb-ass internet connection, like we're talking getting a gig wire to pull that shit off, or they're lying, which seems more likely. Like... This isn't the first time technology like this has existed. Um, a lot of people were saying something along the lines of, well, it's Google. If anyone can pull this off, Google can. Because, you know, they're fucking, they're Google. They're tech wizards, you know. Chances are, yeah, they will probably be able to get something on its own. It's probably, it's probably gonna, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I have no predictions for this. Um, I predict that so this was how it was pitched to me right if you saw gameplay on your computer of a game coming out soon you'd be able to whip out the controller press like turn it on and you'd be able you'd be like instantly kicked into a demo for that game that's not all alright that's a fun concept I enjoy that I can test it out with Stadia and then once it comes out on a real fucking platform I'll get it for that when it lands on the PlayStation 4 or the Nintendo Switch, or whatever. Don't get me wrong, more gaming consoles in the, the world is not a bad thing. Competition breeds exclusivity, which gives the consumer more options. All right, in an ideal economic world, that's how this shit's supposed to lay out. If you've got a lot of people vying for your money, they're gonna spend more money to make their products better to try to draw your attention over there. That's why exclusive games exist, okay? Sometimes exclusive games suck, like The Order 1886 and Viva Pinata. Sometimes the exclusive games are awesome, like Halo and Persona 5. You know, that's what that's what the whole thing is really charged on is exclusive games. If everything was cross-platform, it wouldn't fucking matter what you were playing, so there would be no reason to pick one over the other. That's why that, that's why that shit exists. So if Google is coming in with its own console, sort of its own controller and its own and the creation of Google's own first party development studio Stadia games and entertainment which will quote make exclusive content for the Stadia and be run by some dude um whose credits include the creation of the Assassin's Creed franchise at Ubisoft oh good woohoo what a what a fucking industry legend to bring in to make your fucking games the creator of one of my least favorite franchises ever That was part of one of my least favorite video game companies ever. Fucking Ubisoft. I hate Ubisoft. Build a gaming platform for everyone by removing the hardware barriers. What barrier? The only barrier was monetary. It doesn't take skill to set up a PlayStation 4. You just plug that shit in. It did all the hard work for you by removing the hardware barriers. You know what the hardware barrier? You have set up the hardest hardware barrier. There is no more complicated console that exists than the personal computer. Alright? Setting that shit up in order to run any goddamn game that looks halfway decent in this day and age costs like $2,000 and you gotta build that motherfucker yourself. This is the toughest barrier. yeah, Absolutely, unequivocally. You have chosen to drive and build a console in the hardest point of entry of any gaming console out there. Alright, Switch needs a TV and a wall outlet. PlayStation 4 needs a TV and a wall outlet. Stadia is gonna need a wall outlet, a fucking computer, a decent internet connection, a good screen, solid Wi Fi. Like, there's so much more that you're gonna need to fucking pull this shit off. Google is saying that thousands of edge nodes and racks of powerful hardware can offer significant technological muscle to provide games running at higher specs. For launch, they're promising 4K gaming at 60 frames a second. Not even PlayStation could pull that off. They had to come out with the PlayStation Pro! I think the Xbox One could do that, but god damn it. God I don't know. I don't know. You're gonna need to do the Chromecast Donald if you're using Stadia on a TV. That makes sense. Didn't immediately clarify how fast a user's internet needs to be to, be to get the best performance make or break element of, uh, the make or break element of Google's plans. Uh, yeah, you would need 30 megabits per second for 4K, 60 frame per second gaming. Just so I know, let me see, let's see what my internet's at. I feel like I've got pretty decent internet. I can live stream games. I can, I can download shit pretty quickly. Feel like I've got some pretty decent internet. Um, that being said I am currently as of recording this bit fucking having some internet troubles so fucking never mind um, so as for the game um, they've announced the new Doom game stated it would support cross platform play allowing uh, uh, thing for like couch co-op through streaming that doesn't tax performance of the game ability for multiple people to view the same game World from the range of perspective, again, without a hit on performance. That isn't fucking possible. It's going to have an impact on performance. You can't tell me you're going to fucking walk on water and then not expect me to have the bottom of my shoes get wet. That shit makes a difference. All right? I don't understand who they think they're kidding. Like, it's going to fucking make a difference. I don't believe for a second that it won't. Sorry, I'm, I'm like reading this article from um, from Kotaku. For the record, I've just pulled there. I'm just looking at their article. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think they've they've got built-in streaming capabilities. I don't. I don't see this shit working. oh god. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think. So I'm just quickly scanning this again. Yeah, I really, I really don't think that they are going to be able to deliver upon these promises. <sighs> Which is a bummer, because Google could probably come out with one heck of a box if it really wanted to. If they went the traditional route and were just like, you know what? This is what gaming is, right? Here's our box. It has these specs. It costs this much and we're we've just we're we're just another option, you know? They might have had a foot in the door. But instead, they've gone the gimmicky route which could kill the whole thing if they can't deliver on this concept, all right? But like if they can't deliver, it's dead in the water day one, right? If like if the 30 megabits per second shit that they say people need in order to pull this crap off doesn't work out, then it is going to be bad. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be really bad on the flip side of that. If you can fucking grab your stadia controller, open up a fucking thing like Netflix and just play whatever the fuck you want. Just like bang right there. All right. Now you got something. Now, Now you got something that is not, a bad idea. Alright, running the internet test speed right now. Say I've got my Stadia controller, I've got it in my hands. Alright? New, new Assassin's Creed game is coming out. Assassin's Creed Philadelphia. Fucking, go from one side of the city to the other without getting shot. In like the seven. I don't know. I don't know anything about Philadelphia, but that's just the example I'm rolling with. Um, currently, my internet test speed is contacting the server. If they're gonna get this shit off, Google's gonna have to like fucking buy Comcast or something like that. You're gonna need you're gonna need internet service provider support. Like nobody's fucking business. And I know Google has its Google Fiber, but that's only in like six cities across America. And I think it's like a hundred bucks a month or something like that. Um which is expensive. Um I know they're expanding, but God, you would need the Google Fiber in order to pull this off. Which isn't that like you know, that's a pretty solid cross promotion. Uh just saying for the record like if you if you need a google fiber to use this fucking thing and they were like oh yeah you buy the stadium we'll give you google fiber then people will be like oh oh all right well that's not that's not a bad idea not a bad idea at all i don't know why i don't know why my fucking thing is eating so much shit test my goddamn speed what is my internet speed i must know if i can use the stadia I know I can't use a VR set with my computer because I don't have a fucking 970. Um, I've got a 960, like a fool. And I bought that shit new, and then like a month later it was like, you need the 970, use a fucking HTC Vive. And it's not like I'm going to get a Vive uh, so it didn't really make a difference, but you know, it would have been nice to have the goddamn option. That's why I went with the PS4 um, P- like PlayStation VR instead, because hey, you know what? Didn't need a high-end computer to have virtual reality. That's why I went with that, but whatever i don't think this bit's gonna pay off because because it's taking forever to test my fucking speed which means my speed is shit which means i'm not gonna be able to play the stadia and chances are neither is like 80 percent of america so the whole thing's dead in the water and i think it's stupid what do you think let me know your thoughts about the stadia at goingcast.com or goingcast at gmail.com. let's talk about it let's talk about the stadia are you gonna get one what if i told you it's gonna be five hundred dollars not gonna get one now are you shit's expensive and stupid let's move on to the next thing the podcast So I'm not in the business particularly uh, of saying y'all should watch this particular YouTube channel or whatever. I've done it a couple of times um, for like really good stuff and this one might come off as a bit more, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Um, Because it's uh, it's a corporate channel, I guess would be the best way to describe it. But I'd be lying if I said that the Disneyland Resort YouTube channel and, um, like Disney Parks Live, like that group is worth checking out. They'll live stream, um, new shows, uh, from the parks, like, uh, like, uh, fireworks spectaculars and stuff like that every now and then. And it's a ton of fun to just be able to check out what's going on. Um, I will say that the, the on-air um, like personalities to hype up the performance and to talk about what's new in the parks and give you kind of like a, a rundown. They do it every now and then, so it's like they always have new stuff to talk about. They can be um, very on. Uh, you know, it's it's Disney we're talking about, so you've gotta be that level of on all the time. And I get it, I totally understand. It's just amusing and it can be like, some people do it really naturally, where they can be that level of on and still be like a human being and other times they're like hi everybody and welcome to disney parks live tonight we have a super special exhibition like they can be really into it which i get it it's fine it's just i'm just letting you know um but i like it because i'm a big disney fan i'm a huge disney fan it's one of my favorite places i love the movies blah, blah 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 fucking love disney can't get enough I've got so many Disney mugs upstairs. I've got a fucking mug right now in the shape of the Epcot geodesic dome sphere thing. So, and it's awesome. I love this mug. But, you know, I, I enjoy watching the shows and I enjoy keeping abreast of what's new in Disney. And, like, fucking Galaxy's Edge is coming soon. The Star Wars park and both Disneyland and Disney World. And next year I'm planning to go out to fucking Shanghai and visit um disney shanghai out there wanted to do disney hong kong as well and i still might but i was told it's a very small park so it's probably like a day trip sort of thing which you know would be fine maybe i can puddle jump down and hit the park and then puddle jump back to shanghai and fly out i don't know to be figured out later on let me go to amsterdam first anyway i just i really enjoy the channel so yeah just check out disney parks live they live stream all the time uh, with different shows and different things, and you can check out their backlog, because they've got, like, videos of all the old live streams, so you can just go back and watch stuff, like, um, there's the Together Forever spectacular, and there's, um, oh god, what else is there? Let's do it by most popular, and it'll probably pop up with uh, with whatever the fuck it, uh, it had in there. Um, no, maybe not, but, yeah, they've got some... They've got some backlog stuff that you can go check out and explore. So go check out uh, Disney Parks Live and have a grand old time. And let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Man, I'm tired. But you know what I'm not tired of is talking about all these new fucking Harry Potter chapters that you guys can listen to tomorrow night around 8 o'clock. I apologize for last week when I uploaded it a day late because I'm an idiot and I forget things. But this week we've got chapter 31... OWLs, chapter 32, Out of the Fire, and chapter 33, Fight and Flight, not or, and, they do both in that fucking chapter, but this week's highlight comes to us from chapter 31, OWLs, it's probably the one chapter I was most looking forward to in this book because I, f- I love talking about exams and shit, and uh, I go on a little bit of a rant about my own personal study habits from when I was in school. So let's take a listen. She was not the only person acting oddly as OWLs drew steadily nearer. Ernie McMillan, Ernie McNamillan had developed an irritating habit of interrogating people about their study habits. How many hours do you think you're doing a day? He demanded of Harry and Ron as they queued up for apology, a manic gleam in his eyes. I don't know, said Ron. A few. More or less than eight. Less, I suppose, said Ron, looking slightly alarmed. I'm doing eight, said Ernie, puffing at his chest. Eight or nine. I'm getting an hour in before breakfast every day. Eight's my hour. I can, I can do ten on a good weekend day. I did nine and a half on Monday. Not as good as Tuesday only seven and a quarter then on wednesday harry was deeply thankful that professor Sprout ushered them into the greenhouse through at that point forcing ernie to abandon his recital fun fact about me because everybody loves fun facts about me um i barely ever studied in school um i'm i'm very much more of a on the like on your feet improvisational kind of go with the flow whatever your gut reaction is type of person i take immediate action um, I'm not one for, for planning and stuff like that uh, very often. I just kind of uh, react with what's going on around me. Uh, so that would that would also work for like presentations and stuff. Whenever, you know, we had to like do a 20-minute presentation, I would usually prepare like the, the PowerPoint and then just kind of wing it from there. Um, I'm, I'm very good at uh, improv and stuff like that. So I can usually just kind of coast my way through stuff like that. Three brand new Harry Potter chapters land every week that you can listen to next week has three the week after that has two because that's the end of the book that means book six begins in two weeks in two weeks that's right so let's see we have book six beginning april 17th we now know the date firm firm date april 17th book six begins really exciting stuff can't wait to get past book five because oh god Humberge is the worst. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. So, when I was but a little lad, I saw a band in concert twice that I never expected to see in concert. Once! Let alone the twice that I actually ended up seeing them. That band was Motley fucking Crew. So, (laughs) first time I saw them, it was with Poison and a band called the New York Dolls. And... I I I'll, I will always feel eternally bad for the New York Dolls because they are one of the only opening acts I have ever seen where the house lights did not go down for their performance, and there was this bit where the guy was like they had this one song called I think it was um it was it was it was like vaccine or. Like medicine, it had something to do with 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 medicinal subject matter, um, but not drugs. I think it was like it was like the I think it actually was vaccine. And um, he was like, he he was trying to get the the audience involved. And um, he was like, "Are you guys ready for vaccine?" And the one voice I heard um, from my seat, not in news bleeds, but like I was off to the side and this was on the floor, was the guy who was like, "Bring on poison!" And he was like, "All right." and then they played the song and got off stage it wasn't they were fine but I mean Poison came up next and uh, Poison came on and Bret Michaels had, a, had like the flu um, but it was a hell of a performance and then Molly Crew came on stage and they just fucking they blew it out of the water Vince Neil could totally still sing and it was, it was a great show and then <laughs> and then it was I think it was Hart and Molly Crew and the opening band for that was it Alice fucking was it was it I think it might have been Alice Cooper and Molly Crew, actually, if I'm thinking about it. Because um, I remember going to see Alice open for someone, and I think it was Molly Crew. And it was he put on a hell of a show, and then Molly Crew, of course, blew it out of the water again. And the reason I'm telling you all this story is to really lay down the foundation for the latest uh, crew piece of media that you can consume right now. It's called The Dirt, it is a Netflix film based on a book. That the band wrote with the help of uh, uh, Nita Nita Strauss, I think. Um, I could be getting that name wrong. It's very late, and I'm not looking up any details. Anyway, there's a movie on Netflix called *The Dirt*, and it's it's a uh, it's an autobiographical biopic of Motley Crue. Like they were producers on the movie. Um, So whether or not things happened the way it's portrayed in the film or not, you kind of have to take the band's word for it, because uh, they were they you know, they kinda signed off on the film, being like, Yep, that's Motley Croup, bam, check. So, you know, there's there's definitely some elements that I'm sitting there going like, Did that really happen? like not to not to give you guys spoilers i mean it's a it's a it's a biographical film about a band so it's not like there's you know oh no nikki 6 uh, flew on the back of a dragon and killed van halen uh, that's not how the shit went down but like their first concert apparently the band got into a fight with like the audience and then the audience was like woo Molly crew and then they were all like on their side and really excited about the concert and i'm like i don't think that's how that went down but what do i know i wasn't there so it definitely is, I liked it a lot. I really did. Um, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking, which I find very funny. Uh, the movie's directed by Jeff Tremaine, who is probably best known for doing the jackass movies. So it definitely has that sort of feel. Um, but ironically, I think his ability to direct a film was really was a really smart choice. ...for this film because there was a lot of destruction stuff. You know, like TVs getting smashed and uh, cars getting smashed and them smashing glass and stuff like that. And, you know, stunt work, basically, that he kind of is really good at. Um, so there was that a lot. There is an incredible amount of nudity... And um, drug use, like an obscene amount of drug use, like this movie probably wouldn't have been able to be shown in theaters. Kind of drug use, and I will say that the movie does an excellent job of showing how fucked up some of those drugs can be. So it's it definitely doesn't glorify the use of drugs, um, not at all. It's it's rough stuff. Um, the movie definitely delves into some aspects of the Molly Cruz story I had never heard before. I never read the book, and you know I'm only familiar with the music, and I never really dove that deeply into the band themselves. But it is not all rock and roll, fun and games in this film. Um, I don't want to get into what happens because it's. I I think it's it's definitely worth watching, and you should experience these things for yourself. So, um, but they definitely they definitely go on a, a like a ride, and you know it's it's hard to see a movie like this and not compare it to. The other big um, biopic that came out about a band um, recently. And that was Bohemian Rhapsody with Queen. So, Bohemian Rhapsody kind of made the band almost seem otherworldly. Like, all that stuff with um with the, the song, Bohemian Rhapsody, like, kind of being heard on the wind by Freddie. You know, it's an incredible fucking song and that band is untouchable. But, you know... That's not. That doesn't feel like legit. And with Motley Crue and stuff, it felt more grounded. Like, you know, Queen is Queen, you know. But Motley Crue, it's you. You say Motley Crue by saying it's Motley fucking Crue. Like they were, they were wild animals. They were, they were just dudes just fucking around, making music and causing mayhem for for like a decade and throughout all the eighties. And I don't know. It just seemed. As as fantastic as some of the like fantastic as um as in like fan fantasy, like fantastic elements in that film um are, it still seems more grounded than the Bohemian Rhapsody movie did. Um like everything in Queen just kinda seemed to follow a path and Just the method of storytelling just felt a little more, um, no, we're Queen, yes. Everybody loves us and we're world famous and look at at our Live Aid thing. And what kind of bothered me about the Queen movie is that it stops at Live Aid, but this movie kind of takes you from the beginning to the end of Molly Crew because the movie ends with some footage of their final show in 2015. Um, so you kind of get the whole picture. Like, Queen is still going, but Motley Crue said they were never going to tour again. They signed documents, like, they're they're done. They're done. That being said, they still are making music. In fact, there's there's four new Motley Crue songs on the Dirt soundtrack. So, they're still doing things, but they're not touring anymore. And I'm like, you know, that's impressive. Especially in this day and age, like, Kiss is calling a, a day. Of course, they've done farewell tours before, so, you know, we'll see. Um, Bob Seger's calling it a day. Peter Frampton's calling it a day. So the 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 old some of the not all of them, but a lot of older bands are um are seemingly going going away and calling it quits and spending the remainder of their days doing whatever the fuck they want. So it's kind of this weird thing where like Motley Crue called it quits a long time before most of these bands. And. It's, it's interesting because they are some of the, they are, like, out of the all the bands I just listed, they are, like, the youngest, you know, but if once you see The Dirt, they also went through a ton of fucking shit. It was, it was crazy. Um, definitely worth watching. I will say, do not watch this with anyone under the age of, like, 21. <laughs> definitely an adult film. Uh, if you are, are gonna show it to anybody who, like, cringes easily, not this movie, not for them. Outside of the prolific drug use and incredible nudity, 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 there was also a fair amount of gore. (laughs) I don't want to get into it, um, but there was one scene that's pretty tough to watch. So just you know, heads up, fair warning. Um, There's that. Also, the the guy that plays the guitarist played fucking Ramsey Bolton in Game of Thrones, and it took me forever to figure out who he was. I had to look it up in the film, and I was like, oh my god, it's fucking Ramsey. So there you go. There you go. Good movie. Really good movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd highly recommend it. And if you don't know who fucking Motley Crue is, dude, you should listen to some fucking Motley Crue. I'm going to have Motley Crue be in the song of the week. It may have already happened or maybe coming up, but we're going to talk about some fucking Motley Crue. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing. the podcast. week for songs of the week we've got two songs that i want to talk about of course the first song is the cover and the second song is a song off a brand spanking new album that i've been very much looking forward to for some time now so let's talk about the cover this might not come as a surprise to people who are listening to this current episode of the podcast having just talked about the dirt but i wanted to bring in some motley crew into this fucking playlist so i am going to talk about home sweet home released nineteen eighty-five on the album Theatre of Pain. It is a beautiful song. It is a ballad of sorts. Um it it kind of um came at a time when um this is just after uh Vince kind of did an incredibly terrible thing and the band was kinda coming back into their own and it was their it was their kind of like mini reunion. Um I don't want to get, really get into what Vince did because I feel like it kind of drags down the song but it's a beautiful song and I I really enjoy it and I did a little cover over it so here's Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue called raise your fists which comes off the album no more hollywood endings by one of my new favorite metal bands to really hit the scene they're pretty recent 2005 is when they first came out called battle beast i have seen battle beast in concert twice and i'm going to see them one more time at the end of the year here um i saw them with camelot and then i saw them with sabaton i think it was sabaton might have been Hammerfall can't remember saw them at El Corazon though um, and they put on a heck of a show and then I saw them in Denver and they put on an even better show that was, that's still one of my favorite live performances with Battle Beast in Denver because the audience was so into it and the band was loving it like you could, like they were taking big pauses just listening to the cheers like you could tell they were surprised by how warm the reception was and they fucking they killed it they are they are a wonderful, wonderful band. Super upbeat heavy metal music. Super driving. Like it really feels like just it pushes you onward and raises you to heights. And it's it's incredible. It's really good stuff. So Battle Beast gets a gets a firm nod from the Going Up cast. And you have a song that you want to suggest for Song of the Week. Well, there's lots of ways you can let me know about those songs. You can email me at goingcast.gmail.com or send me a message through the contact page. Goingcast.com, and we'll put it on there. Also, feel free to send me in any covers you guys want to send in. I feel like it's just me singing up here, which for the most part it is. But you know, get some other voices in here. We can we can make a thing out of it. So uh, thank you, thank y'all. You Go check out those songs. You can listen to all those songs of the on the Going Up Cast Song of the Week playlist available on Spotify, and you can also check it out at Goingcast.com/songs. Move on to the next thing. latest firmsoft video game has finally landed on all of our systems, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. You have to say it like that, you can't just call it like Sekiro, you know, you gotta be like, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Anyway, it's, oh my god. So, I've played it for, um, not, not too long, to be perfectly fair. I haven't I haven't played it that long and I was I was reading up on people just fucking losing their goddamn minds about this game. Oh, it's too hard. Where's the difficulty slider? Me 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 me. And I've played Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3 and Bloodborne. So, I am not a novice to Dark Souls from Softian games. That being said, Sekiro is kicking my goddamn ass and it's kicking the ass of I think pretty much everybody because a lot of people I know that played the games, including myself, uh, especially with Dark Souls, did your old school sword and board uh, technique, and you know, with Dark Souls and even with Bloodborne, you had the ability to kind of min max your dude, and if you were struggling with a with a boss or a zone, you could just go and level grind and get real buff and strong and overpower yourself, and then go back and absolutely decimate that zone like you could build yourself up to be this incredible behemoth that wouldn't fall if a like a mountain exploded on top of you like you would just endure it all not in Sekiro motherfuckers like you can get skills which give you moves but in order for you to get more health or more armor or whatever the fuck you got to progress through the game you got to beat the mini bosses you got it you got to play the game in order to be better and endure more in the game, and that is uh, a departure for sure. You can't like level grind anymore. You can skill grind, like you could. You could get all the skills unlocked pretty easily if you really wanted to. But you know, it gives you more tools in your in your in your weapons box, I suppose. But if you don't have a firm grasp of the fundamentals of the fucking game, you're still gonna die, and you're gonna die a lot. And like you're gonna fucking get your, your your horrible dragon disease all over your buds, and then you're gonna be like, fuck! How do I how do I cure them by playing the game? So it's ah, oh, it's tough. It's it's tough. Um, I enjoy the freedom of the world. I'll, I'll say. Um, like for example, there is there is there is a bit I'm in right now. Um, I'm in like a flashback memory place like three years ago. Um, something like that, and there's a. There's there's like a a, a, a a burning castle, I guess, on a hill. And you approach this castle and going head on, there's a mini boss dude there, and he's got like a big stick. And you know, he's he's tough like all the mini bosses are. Um, and I was struggling with him. So I was exploring the map, trying to see if I could just get around him. And you can. You go down in the river on the left-hand side and then you grapple up to a tree and you grapple up to another tree and you can sneak into the castle through this escape tunnel, this back way. It's guarded by like six dudes, but you can take them all out kind of one at a time. And then once you get through the tunnel, you super jump your way up, and you find a, um, there's a, uh, an idol there. So you can teleport straight to that idol when you die, and I'm like, oh, thank god, progress. I don't have to run through, like, the three zones I just went through over and over again. And fuck the chickens! Anyway, fuck those chickens, alright? I've died more to those chickens than fucking anybody else. I don't know what it is, like, I can't get the timing around and def- defending themselves. Also, the field of view in this game is bullshit. I'm like staring at my dude's ass when he's sneaking through the flowers. I'm like, the whole point of the sneaking through the flowers is so I can attack people when they leap out. Like, when I can't see them coming because I'm outside my own butthole about this fucking shit and I can't see anything around me. Anyway, so I sneak through the tunnel, I get up there and I'm in the castle and the whole place is ablaze. It's just an inferno. And you start wandering through and there's a dude with a bow and you take him out. And then you have like this army. It's like fucking 10 dudes. And this is a game that you do not want to fight more than one person at the same time because you will die so fucking quickly it's crazy how squishy you are so no head-on attack hell no I went up to the roofs and I'm running around and all of a sudden like there's this little water pond and I get through the water pond and on the other side it's this big ass motherfuckers burping on a sword and that's like the final boss of the zone. So I'm like, oh great, I skipped the mini boss only to make my way further to the super boss. And if I'm not good enough to fight the fucking mini boss, I'm not sure sure shit ain't good enough to fight the big boss. And it's just You know, you I'm I'm like making progress, but it's like, I'll go down this a little bit. Oh, can't beat him. Let's wander back and find another route. Oh, can't beat him. Let's go back and find another route. I've got like eight branching paths that are all being capped off by these fucking bosses i can't defeat cuz i suck at the game. But that's okay because it's a brand new FromSoft game. And no one knows really what they're doing when the brand new FromSoft game comes out. Your your knowledge of Dark Souls and Bloodborne might help you a little bit, but it's like a whole new game. It's almost like it's a whole new game. The mechanics are totally different. Everything's different. So like I I don't want to hear anybody going out and be like, oh, well, you're just not good at Dark Souls or Bloodborne. I'm amazing at Dark Souls and Bloodborne It's because those games are a lot easier to be good at. All right, this one requires patience. It requires an incredible amount of patience. It's a lot of knowing when to parry at the right moment. It's a lot of dodging at the right moment. And I'm not a patient man most of the time, especially with video games. I want to rush in and fight some shit and keep going, but not in this game. This game, you got to take your goddamn time. You gotta think about shit. You gotta be sneaky by default. Charging headlong in any of those scenarios is bad news bears. Because you'll be fine one dude, and then you're gonna get your asshole bitten up by a wolf, and then you're gonna get hit in the face with a chicken, and some dude with a fire arrow is gonna shoot you, and then all of a sudden you explode. And then you're dead. And, oh, you could resurrect, but be careful. Every time you resurrect, your friends die. And I'm just like, are you fucking serious? Oh man. Good game so far. Good game. I'm actually gonna go play a little bit more of it right now, because... Fuck, I need to get good at this game. I, I need to play it. You don't understand, people. I need to play it. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, the latest entry from FromSoft Games, now available on the PlayStation 4. I think it's on PC and Xbox, but I don't... I don't know. It's on PlayStation 4. That's the only system I'm playing it on, so there you go. I'm going to go play some more and see if I can increase the field of view slider because, Christ! And anyway, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. The Orville is really good, gang. Just a real quick, real quick thing I wanted to talk about. This past episode, uh, I think it was called something, 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 something. Doesn't matter what it was called. But it's basically what the the crux of the episode focused on was there was a time capsule from the year 2015. So 400 years in the past. And within the time capsule was a cell phone that contained this, um, you know, contained the... Text messages, photos, calls from an individual from 2015. Who, for lack of me remembering her name, we'll just call her Laura. I think her. her I, I think she actually was called Laura, but if it wasn't, I'm gonna call her Laura. And basically, uh, uh, the 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 pilot, um, Gordon Malloy, was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna run a simulation of this chick, and uh, he does, and he falls in love with her. And it's this whole kind of morally gray episode of, like, is she real? People said no. Gordon argued yes, because unlike all the other programs that they run on the ship, this wasn't a program that they wrote. This was a program that she wrote based on herself. Like, you know, based on her text messages, photos, calls, and all that stuff. The computer was able to extrapolate her personality from that and so he falls in love and they go out on like dates and eventually they bone um but as the as the um uh simulation continues uh she actually ends up getting back together with uh her old boyfriend in the simulation and of course gordon does the only sensible move in this scenario um i say sarcastically and he deletes the boyfriend from the simulator and thereby changes her whole personality and he realizes that, he, like, he he can't just rip out uh, the boyfriend because they were together for nine years before he, like, showed up in the simulation. And it completely changed her. And there's this monologue... Not monologue. There's this conversation towards the end of the episode between Gordon and Commander Kelly Grayson. And she and he talk about how once he started editing her world, she... Stopped being real and became just another simulation that they wrote, and it was that that conversation. I almost don't want to repeat it because it was so well crafted, and it evoked so many interesting concepts. It was it was like the best that Star Trek ever did was was that conversation. It was it was awesome, and I see the show all the time, and people don't really seem to talk about it like none of my coworkers watch it um like my family watches it but like I'm I'm, like we're the only ones I'm aware of the show is clearly popular because it's like they're making it and it's it's not a small budget to make this show but I feel like a lot of people wrote this show off because oh Seth MacFarlane you know he's shitting out Family Guy episodes and Cleveland shows and American Dad and all this swill and you know he doesn't know What the fuck he's doing but the orville is just straight up a wonderful sci-fi show it has a lot of excellent qualities that star trek possessed it has the human element it has wonderful compelling characters Um, it has really excellent storylines sometimes it's not good you know sometimes there's a bad episode but point me a show that doesn't have a bad episode you know there's no reason to not give the show an honest shot, regardless of how you feel about any of the people involved in the show. This show is is it's funny, it's impactful, it'll make you think. It's excellent sci-fi. It's sci-fi before comedy for sure. I mean, there's a, there's a funny-ish subplot in this episode. Uh, about some uh, the the uh, uh, crew members discovering the the joy of cigarettes from the uh, from the time capsule. That being said, don't smoke it, cigarettes. It's fucking stupid. Um, not cigarettes. Not cigarettes. Or really, any. don't do drugs. I should probably go on the record saying just you know straight and narrow. There you go. I mean, you're gonna do what you're gonna do, but God, come on, not cigarettes. If you're gonna waste your long juice on something, don't make it, don't let it be cigarettes. Pick something else but don't do any of it but pick something else anyway it was it's it's a really good episode and then of course you know you got me sitting there wondering about this concept like yeah it was a simulation yeah she wasn't technically real yeah she was she's been dead for 400 years um and then you got you know the other side of the corner like doesn't really matter People will do what they'll make, will make them happy regardless of all other things. Blah, 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 blah. I think the point in the episode that really kind of made me go, wait, now hold on a second. Was when he made a cell phone using the ship's duplicator, or replicator, I should say. Put her number into the phone outside of the simulator, texted it, and she responded. So, like, I guess the simulation was still, like, running in real time in like concurrence with his reality which it's fucking so many layers there to like dive into like what the fuck are you shitting and like you know people going like she's not like thinking for herself but like she was initiating conversation with no prompting from him meaning that she wanted to call him like the simulation called him after they boned while he was at work like how is that not self-aware Like, it built, you know, built into the program or whatever, but she called first! You know, if it was constantly her reacting to his input, then, yeah, okay, I get it. But she called first, which means the simulation woke up, thought about him, and called him. And it worked! Like, I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm like, if that isn't real, like, sure, she can't leave the simulation, but... I mean, what more do you need? Like, right? seriously and if, and if he can bone the simulation and feel all the joys of boning right like I don't know where where do we draw the line now she's clearly self aware based on the fact that she's initiating communication when he is not in the simulation god it was just it makes you think and I'm just sitting there like what the fuck and I think the reason it was so like kind of blowing my mind is because um, I hadn't ever really seen that side of sci-fi you know that was that was a new story element to me. I didn't watch that fucking movie. What her she with a uh, with Joaquin Phoenix and uh, a phone. I didn't see that. Um, but I think it's the exact same kind of. Sh- Although he was falling in love with the phone, and Gordon is falling in love with the simulation that's talking to him through the phone. I don't know. It was just. It was really good. It was a really good episode. Um, I know many of people. Many of the people in my I guess generation don't have cable anymore so there's a decent to better chance that many of you won't be able to see this show i want to say it's on hulu but i have no fucking idea because i don't have hulu Uh, i'm thinking about getting it because i need i need more more media in my world but maybe i'll just save my pennies for when disney plus comes out later this year but watch the orville if you like sci-fi if you like comedy if you like just good fucking tv shows man Good fucking TV shows. One of the things I love about the Orville is the shoulder pads are the ranking symbols for the for the um. It's not Starfleet, for um, the Federation, the Union. I forget what I think they call it. Like the Union, it's like the Unified Organization, whatever the fuck. But there, it's like so you got your one lines for your privates. You got your two lines for like your your next step up, um. Commander Grayson has three. Uh, Captain Mercer has four. The admirals have five pips, like stars, on their shoulder pads. And then you got uh, Lieutenant or, Lieutenant Commander um, uh, John has like two and a half. Like the middle one is skinnier than the other two which because he's like in between rankings. And they never mention it or explain that shit ever. They've never been like, oh, here are what the uniforms mean. They don't tell you. You figure this shit out for yourself. They've thought about every aspect of their world. What the uniforms look like, the layout of the ship, rankings, like, crew members. They've filled in all of the blanks. They haven't all figured out. And they don't waste their time telling you this shit. It's just there for you to discover. It's an incredibly well thought out rich world. And I very much appreciate that because there's shit to sink your teeth into. It feels real. There's so much content that they've generated that it feels substantial. So many things are so, like, surface layer. But there's depth to this show. And they've really thought about this shit. And I, for one, really love that. Although I did see the the after-episode promo for, like, next week's episode. And, it's like, the voiceover guy's going, like, The Orville face their toughest challenge yet. And I'm like, did you not see the rest of the season? Because they, like... We're at war with like a whole fucking civilization for two episodes and shit was really fucking dire and a lot of people died how is this gonna be more dire than that that shit was fucking dire all right they had to unite with their primary enemies to defeat these motherfuckers and save the planet and thousands died thousands died it was terrible that was such a that was so intense Holy shit, watch this show. It's fucking good. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. The other day, I and my brother and my sister-in-law took part in a social event at the Pacific Science Center known as Brewology. Brewology. It was a tasting of beers from, I think, like 20-ish local breweries and i um don't drink alcohol anymore i have been clean for almost two weeks i think it's like 11 days now at the time of recording this which i know doesn't sound like much and i didn't have a drinking problem so i don't know why i'm saying this but i don't drink anymore um yay me and i went along because i really wanted to go to the science center and spend some time with my family and uh they both drank and we're trying all sorts of different things and it was a ton of fun. Uh, just, you know, a bunch of people were there. There was like a beer pong thing where if you landed one cup, you got a pin. So I got a pin cause I only landed one cup. If you land one of the golden cups, you get either two tickets for a laser show or general admission tickets, which my brother got. And then if you land two separate golden cups, it's like, you know, the pyramid, it was the top. And then the, like the corners were golden cups. Um, you got either four IMAX tickets or a year-long membership to the science center for two and we saw some big tall dude land two golden cups immediately after my brother so i was like tier one tier two tier three we saw it all it was really cool um and that was a lot of fun just people cheering you know drunken that was a lot of fun um we got to see the dinosaurs and i used to i used to live in tacoma when i was um When I was very small, uh, basically up until second grade, I lived in Tacoma and then moved cross-country. And I went to the Science Center when I was, you know, a very small child. And I remember those dinosaurs so vividly, and they have not changed since those dinosaurs were installed in the fucking 80s. Like, those dinosaurs have been around for, like, 40 years. Those exact animatronics. Although the science have changed to now, say, based on 1980s understandings of dinosaurs is what the animatronics are based on. Because now they're a bunch of big feathered Muppet fucks, and I hate it. I hate the new dinosaurs. They're so stupid looking. Old school laser dinosaurs are the only dinosaurs I approve of. I don't care what modern science says. Shit's lame, and they look dumb. Like... Why? You, why you, you ruined dinosaurs by figuring more shit about dinosaurs? Fucking feathers. So stupid. This is one picture of a T-Rex. He's a big old goddamn chicken, and I hate it. <laughs> it looks so stupid, but uh, it's more accurate. I don't care. All right. It's fucking like old school dinos are the best dinos. Jurassic Park. Those are fucking dinosaurs. All right. No feathers or nothing. So anyway, I love the animatronics, and uh, I think my favorite bit. If you ever go to this event, you gotta watch out for this. So they've got a planetarium, which is one of my absolute favorite things ever. And quick side note, there's a planetarium at my college in Western that students couldn't like access. You either had to be a part of the class or go during like one of like the welcome to Western weeks. It wasn't just like a thing you could go and do. Like they didn't have like, uh, like five, you know, on Fridays at nine o'clock, you can go see this like 30 minute show at the, at the local school planetarium buy tickets online they didn't have that and that pissed me off like we couldn't just go and watch a fun planetarium show we had a fucking planetarium on campus and they wouldn't let us fucking use it unless you were in the class it's bullshit they could have made so much fucking money like five buck tickets you know they sell it real quick because it wasn't a big planetarium but fuck i would have loved that the shit would have been great fucking stupid ass Anyway, you go to the planetarium at Science Center during Brewology, and they had this thing called the Planetarium Open House, and there was a dude sitting there with the you know, the controls of the planetarium, and he had a bunch of programs, and we're all sitting around the edge like looking up at the sky, and it's this beautiful dome, and people are just saying like, I want to see Saturn, and he would pull up Saturn, and he would talk about Saturn, and he just went on and on, and we sat in there for a good 20, 25 minutes, right about just listening to this dude talk about space and he really knew his stuff and he was really, um, excited about it, which makes it so much better. And God, I, I fucking, I loved it. People being excited about science just, just fills me with joy, fills me with joy and pleasure. So if you go to Bureology, you got to check that out. Um, I imagine it was, I don't think it was more entertaining, uh, drunk. Um, cause I was sober and I was very entertained. So I don't know. Um, but that was probably the best bit. And they could have done that at Western all the fucking time. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. And there was a good variety of brews to try. Uh, Good sized sipping vessels. So, you know, if you were thinking about it, I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it. Also, go to the fucking Pacific Science Center or whatever your local science center is. They put a lot of hard effort into those things that's run by people in your your community. You're going to have a good time. I've never been to a bad science center. Um, I've been to the one in Vancouver, and that's just fucking out of this world. The one in Seattle is God tier. I love them. I love all science centers. Uh, Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles is still one of my favorite places ever. So, so fucking good. So good. Anyway, I had a ton of fun, but that's all I had to say about that. Just wanted to share a fun experience. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. And finally, because I talked about... Several different points throughout this episode. I mentioned drugs and alcohol and the fact that I don't drink anymore and all that stuff. And I just wanted to reiterate that, A, you know, you will make your own decisions. I want to I start with that. People will tell you not to do things. People will tell you to do things. It's important for you to do what you want to do, regardless of what anybody else says. I just want to clarify that. That being said, I would personally advise that you avoid, you know, cigarettes and hard drugs and drinking not responsibly you know if you're going to do something be smart about it that's what i'll say because i'm a rational human being and people are going to do what people are going to do telling somebody to not do something is only going to make them want to do it more so you want to instruct people on how to do things responsibly and appropriately rather than to not do it at all you know total abstinence doesn't fucking work you got to just be smart about shit so if you're gonna smoke weed and you're in a city or a state where it's legal, you know, just be smart about it, you know. If you're gonna drink, make sure you got a good fucking way home. Either a buddy that's sober, like me, or Uber, or a taxi, like, or you're walking, you know. Make sure you got a fucking plan, all right? Just be, just be smart about it. I'm not gonna tell you not to do it, but I will tell you to do it responsibly. Because we're all about responsibility here, because responsibility saves lives. I don't know why I'm getting all preachy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Going Upcast. I very much appreciate it. I'm currently doing a lot of um, kind of behind the scenes shit to try to get this podcast going a bit harder. You know, um, I've just I've been pretty lax about it, and I apologize to you, the listener, because when I'm lax about it, I feel like I'm not producing the best product I can deliver for you guys. I'm really trying to shape up and get some good shit going. Um, I'm trying to be a bit more consistent with like presence on social media and updating things like the Patreon page and stuff like that. I'm really, I'm really going to try to make a push here and, and improve the, the overall, um, uh, influence and (laughs) experience that the going up cast kind of means. So thank you very much for, for being a part of these, these fledgling steps. It means so much to me um hopefully we'll uh see it grow here in a couple of weeks um as these as these efforts um really start to manifest and hopefully turn this into something really incredible so thank you very much for listening i will talk to you tomorrow night with uh harry potter and the blorder of the bleenix uh we're actually getting pretty close to the end of the book which is kind of frightening to me because that means i have to make a video for book six and I don't have a lot of time, so I don't know what that's going to be, but that'll be a lot of fun. Um, And book six will start up soon. And then um, that'll really start to push me to fucking finish book seven, because I am dragging my feet on that something first. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you all next week. See See you later! Bye!